Scott Jackson Show here, Priority Auto Sports Radio 94.1. We are brought to you by Larry King Law. Pleasure to go to the Ballyhoo's guest line right now. Bring in my old friend Brad Biggs. He is the Chicago Bears beat reporter for the Chicago Tribune. And, you know, they say there is kind of an off period in the NFL. I don't know, Brad, especially not for you, man. Every day there is a Justin Fields story. Sorry, sorry for you. Yeah, there's a Justin Fields story. There's a Caleb Williams story. There's a lot of stuff going on. Uh, for the Bears, they're in a they're in a really uh, almost unique position, Scott, with the first pick in the draft, and then they turn around. They've got the ninth overall pick. They've got a boatload of uh, salary cap space, not quite as much as the Commanders, but they've got uh, more space than would be needed to do just about anything they want to accomplish uh, in free agency. So it's it's an exciting time. Uh, for the Bears, and, and you're right, my friend, there is there is really no uh, down period in the NFL as we head into uh, our second weekend without uh, football since uh, early August. Yeah, no doubt. Obviously, combine next week. A lot of eyes on the Bears, needless to say. What, what are they going to do with the number one overall pick? First, of course, the Justin Fields decision. Uh, to me, it doesn't seem like much of a decision. I think they'll probably trade him. What, what are you believing is going to happen there? And uh, who, are, who are the suitors if they do move him? Well, if they do move him, I don't think there would be a shortage of, of teams that would potentially be interested. If they do move the pick, that is. Uh, if they yeah. move the player... I don't. I don't know. That's where it's interesting to me. And, and from a Bears point of view, you are attempting to uh, create a marketplace for them. You want uh, at least two teams involved, so you can do some negotiating, negotiating, or create the illusion, Scott, that there are multiple teams involved. Have one team on the phone and have them believing that if they don't move up. Um, what they're willing to offer that you've got something in hand from another team that you're willing uh, to do. I I believe the bears will take a quarterback at one. I I, I doubt anything's uh, etched in stone at this point, but I think they take uh, a quarterback at one to replace fields. I think they look for a, a team to move Justin to, and then they would have a world of options at nine uh, where they'd have an opportunity to get a, an impact player. All right, so give me the good and the bad, and if there is ugly, and I think there is, but I'll let you decide that for me, on the Justin Fields uh, play at quarterback over these last few years in Chicago. Well, I mean, the good is he's got a lot of experience. He's got 38 starts under his belt. Uh, he is dynamic with the football in his hands as a runner. He can create uh off schedule plays he can make off platform uh throws uh so that's the positive the bad is that i think when he's when things are off schedule too often he's looking to run instead of throw first like when you watch um a patrick mahomes play like he's escaping the pocket and doing things looking to make a play downfield first and and then he'll he'll run if he has to and we saw him do that throughout uh the playoffs but he's on the move looking for something to create uh downfield and and that's really uh what you want uh fumbles have been an issue uh for fields at times and and then the ugly would be 
can fourth quarter passing numbers like when when they're trailing and they have to throw to catch up his numbers are are pretty bad uh the bears haven't had uh elite talent around him certainly they did not the first two seasons that fields was the starter this past year uh they were better they had help for him they had dj moore cole Komet. they had multiple running backs that could get the job done and they got a little bit better on the offensive line. They still need to improve there. Uh, but you, if you're buying Justin Fields, you're you're doing so with the hope that, hey, if we can get some better players around him, we can see him elevate his play. We're uh, talking to Brad Biggs from the Chicago Tribune here. Scott Jackson, show Priority Auto Sports Radio 94.1. Were you surprised they kept the staff intact, at least the head coach intact? Obviously, he's a new offensive coordinator and some of the new offensive staff. But were you surprised that uh, Matt Eberflus made it through uh, the offseason? Yeah, that's a good question. I, I thought it could have gone either way because if you're going to take a quarterback at one, there's a chance you had to brace yourself for, okay, they're going to want to bring in an offensive-minded head coach, okay? They're going to want to start over with this pick at one, this quarterback, and and have an entirely new system uh, in place. But the Bears uh, got better on defense as the season went along. Matt Eberflus was the play caller on defense for really all but the season opener. Um, And and you saw real growth and improvement uh, by that side of the ball. So I think there was a belief that he could keep uh, he kept the roster competing, uh, playing hard. They stayed in games even if they didn't win as many as they maybe should have uh, down the stretch. They, they had a couple, you know, come from ahead losses that were pretty ugly uh, during the season. But uh, the the feeling was that that he you know kind of got along well. Uh, with the players, and and so he stays in place. Uh, They go out, they hire a new defensive coordinator. Iberflus will retain the play-calling responsibilities, and they got a a new offensive coordinator in Shane Waldron. Yeah, and and it's interesting, you know, with all the different things that are being said, you know, it looks like, uh, you know, for most people, Caleb Williams is the number one guy. Uh, There were some, you know, discussions, I guess, after that GQ article really is where this started when his dad made the comments about, you know, certain places and preferred destinations and I guess how unfair the system is that maybe – that would mean Caleb Williams wouldn't want to be with the Chicago Bears yet. He hasn't said anything about that, right? Like, there's no, there, there's nothing on the record from him or anything back channeled yet that we've heard about. Is there any fear in Chicago that 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 may be the case? And I mean, I guess there's the other part of this. They may like Jaden Daniels better. I guess they could like Drake May better, right? I mean, because they're not through the process, at least not publicly. No, or or JJ McCarthy. I think you know they're gonna they're gonna get face to face with Caleb Williams for the first time next week at the combine in Indianapolis. Like, you know, Caleb Williams didn't participate in any of the postseason All-Star games, so there hasn't been an interview that has taken place in Mobile at the Senior Bowl or at the East-West Shrine game. So uh, next week that process begins, and it'll just be the first of what I would expect to be multiple uh, meetings with Caleb Williams, multiple meetings with Jaden Daniels and Drake May and J.J. McCarthy and Bo Nix. Like, you don't want to leave any questions unanswered in this process. Uh, It all begins with me for Caleb Williams, right? He's been the presumptive number one pick since the end of last year. But you're right. None of the kind of innuendo or rumors surrounding Caleb Williams 
can be traced back to anything that's come out of his mouth, that anything that he's said publicly. I think the Bears are in an interesting position because, generally speaking, when a team holds the number one pick in the draft, it was earned by some uh, consistent, atrocious play, right? <laughs> right, it's right. A horrible football team that goes and, and has two or three wins and all of a sudden sees itself atop the draft. Well, the Bears weren't great this past season by any stretch of the imagination, but they weren't the Carolina Panthers. They do own the Panthers' pick at number one. So you look at what he'd be walking into, DJ Moore at wide receiver, Cole Komet at tight end. They can figure it out in the backfield. They've got a couple young offensive linemen uh, that are solid and and hopefully uh, arrow up, improving the defense played well last season and played much better after they acquired Montez Sweat uh, from the Commanders. Like I mentioned earlier, they own the ninth pick in the draft. They could go out and get another stud-wide receiver uh, to pair up with D.J. Moore. They could go out and draft an offensive tackle. They could get something else to elevate that roster around the quarterback, and all of a sudden you, you take a look at the depth chart and you say, hey, Caleb Williams or name any one of those other quarterbacks is going to be potentially walking into a situation that's a lot better roster-wise than I think most of the quarterbacks drafted one overall probably found themselves in over the last 10 or 20 years, right? Yeah, no doubt. It's an interesting uh, an interesting draft, and again, it just seems like it makes too much sense to not start over with a rookie, right? In, in, the, in the case of the Bears, yeah, when you when, you know when you don't have a guy that's really shown you consistently that he is in fact the guy, it would be a huge risk because you really have this one more year and then you got to pay him, right? Yeah, and they and they they were in this spot last year where they had the number one pick. They, as everybody knows, they traded out, uh, so they didn't draft Bryce Young. Probably a good move. They didn't draft C.J. Stroud. He'd probably look pretty good in a Bears uniform right now. Uh, I, it, with their passing offense in a passing league, the way it's been the last three years under Fields, the way it was previously under Trubisky, Jay Cutler. I mean, you just go through the list of starting quarterbacks they've had. I, I don't think they can pass on this opportunity. I don't think it's a difficult decision. And there's still some Bears fans that believe that Fields has been dealt uh, a, a raw deal that he does have that talent and ability as you get the roster better around him. And that might be the case. He he might go elsewhere and become a better and more consistent quarterback, but I just don't think a regime that inherited him, Ryan Poles, the current GM, wasn't here when they drafted him, can really um, take that leap of faith with him. So so I to me it's pretty cut and dry what they will wind up doing, who they end up selecting, that's to be determined. But this is a good quarterback draft, and um, I I think the Bears are in an advantageous position. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, It's going to be a busy offseason for you, and of course uh, the Combine coming up next week and all the fun with that, and I'm sure a lot of these rumors will really heat up and perhaps even a direction will come out of this uh, next few weeks. Is, Is that your anticipation that we'll have a good idea of what the Bears intend to do here pretty soon? I, yeah, I mean, I would, I would think things will begin to materialize um, probably by the time we get to April, maybe sooner. I, I don't know that you can put a timeline on it. Like, when's the best time 
for the Bears to make a move, that that's when they feel like they've got uh, number one. They they feel like they know the direction they're going to go, or they're comfortable sure. with the options. They still need to vet a little bit more thoroughly, uh, and then they have the best offer that they believe they could possibly get in hand for Fields. That could be um, Monday morning, Scott. Yeah. That could be April first. Hmm. That could be the morning of day two of the draft. I I don't. I don't have my crystal balls in the repair shop right now, um, so, so, so I can't get a, a better read on it than that. But they'll have to be uh, willing to work within the parameters of uh, timing that, that maybe an, an interested party would have. Like maybe an interested party is like, hey, we got to know um, before free agency starts. Yeah, like, right. Good you, point. You know, so you, you need to be able to work with uh, a partner that's expressing uh, interest in the process. Absolutely. All right, Brad Biggs, at Brad Biggs on the X. You can give him a follow there, Chicago Tribune, all the Bears, all the Justin Fields. He's your Justin Fields uh, reporter uh, this offseason as well. Uh, awesome, dude. Thank you as always, and uh, enjoy Indianapolis and all the fun that has to offer. Have a great weekend, Scott. All right, you too. Brad Biggs with us here on the Ballyhoo's Guest Line, Priority Auto Sports Radio 94.1. We're brought to you by Larry King Law. All right, uh, welcome back. Football at four. Thanks to uh, Brad Biggs for joining us, Chicago Tribune, talking about all things Bears. All the options are on the table. And as he said, we'll finally get to hear Caleb Williams in his own voice this week. I did see Bo Nix earlier announce that he'll throw at the Combine. Good move because he didn't throw so well at the uh, Senior Bowl. He's also going to have his own person, you know, his own workout, the pro day, I should say, uh, at Oregon later as well. So he'll get to see Bo Nix a couple times in these workouts. Uh, via the text line, 757-687-9494. Our guy Greg in Gloucester says, don't think Williams and Jaden Daniels are basically what they have now in Chicago. Uh, should they look more towards a passer who runs second? Is that either Williams or what Daniels are? I haven't seen enough of them. Well, well Williams is more of a, I scramble to throw the ball. Like he's not running. He's not running immediately every time the somebody blitzes him. He is. And I don't. All right, I'm be careful with this because then people are going to go the other direction. He does what Pat Mahomes does, and there are some throws that he has made. There's some highlights that you're like, "Why? How? What? How did that get there?" He does that. So, yeah. I mean, that's Caleb Williams, is a different kind of runner than uh, Jaden Daniels. Jaden Daniels, and there's a lot more design runs. And what LSU was doing as well. And then it's amazing. I mean, I'll say this. Drake May has got more detractors and lovers. Uh, like, there's no in middle ground with Drake May. No, there really isn't. You're either in love with him or you think he sucks. I mean, it's it's wild. It's absolutely wild. And the J.J. McCarthy thing's weird to me. I, I, I need somebody to explain it to me. I thought I was going to have to pick you up off the floor when Brad Big said that. But he's not. The, I mean, again, this is what NFL people continue to say. And I'm fascinated by it. Because I don't know how anybody can say it with so much certainty um, about him. Because, it's nuts. Because nobody's seen him. Like, have to throw it, right? Like, nobody's seen him do that on a consistent basis. But there is a lot of, uh, again, maybe it's just the whole, it was a Tom Brady school thing. I'm not sure. Uh, but it is, it's fascinating. And we'll see if it's true, right, when it comes down to it. Because I feel like we've had these names of quarterbacks in years past that, oh, this team loves him, and then he doesn't show up until later in the draft. But, I mean, there's there seems to be a lot of folks with some very loud voices saying that he's going to be a first-round pick. Like, okay. 
And you're wondering, you know, how much of that is early smoke of yeah. some teams trying to make right. it so you can grab Knicks the or Penix chamber, later right. in the draft. Yeah. yeah, maybe it's the echo chamber stuff, right? Like people are putting that out there just to mess with folks. I mean, who knows um, what it will be? Um, you know, I'm, I'm fascinated to uh, f- to find out though as as time goes on um, what 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 in fact they do. So this was interesting. The Rams yesterday. In addition, announcing that they're not going to the combine. By the way, the Cowboys, Mike McCarthy is not going to the combine either. I mean, let's be honest; they don't. The Jones, the Jones kids don't. Jones is kid, and Jones don't need him there. No. Um, Sean McVay uh, has hired a game management coach, so you know he's bad with timeouts. I think we've all <laughs> can see that he's not the best with timeouts. Facts. Uh, Andy Reid's not good with timeouts. I mean, the the Shanahan kid had a lot of clock management problems in the postseason, if you don't remember. Anyway, so despite these things, because of these things, Sean McVay has admitted that he's got a problem. Sounds like I'm talking about AA or something. Uh, and he's brought in John Stryker. I think this is Stryker. Stryker. Bueller. Bueller. Uh, as the team's new game management coordinator. He, he comes from Tennessee where they were actually really good at it. Like Vrabel, you know, I don't know if it was Vrabel or obviously it was this guy involved with it, where they've been really good at working the clock over the years. McVay said this, not using my timeout, like what's he going to bring to the table? He says, not to, so I won't use my timeouts in the second half until I need to. No, really, he's here. Uh, what I want to say is I look at myself and we really are our football team from just the after action review and you always say, all right, where's the game going? Where are things going? Where can you uh, try to separate yourselves uh, in those winning margins? McVeigh said. He goes, the game management coordinator is a select group of people who have earned the reputation around the league. There's an innate understanding of the rules and how to be able to use the rules to your advantage, clock management, some of the situational things that do end up coming up. And I think he's been really valuable. And I believe if you go back to the Tom Brady year, remember Tom Brady's last game when they lost in the playoffs, right? to the Titans, there was some weird thing with the Titans figured out a way to manipulate the clock on punts to grind it out so the Patriots wouldn't get the ball back. Remember this whole thing? Like, or they oh, get it back yeah. with like little to no time left. Um, it was, it was very, they're very smart um, what they did. And now I'm forgetting. Of course. It was so smart. I've forgotten it, uh, <laughs> but they did it in a way um it was a Bill Belichick clock management thing. So it felt like an intentional false start or something like that. Yes, that uh, that's right. Thank you. So here's here I found it now. Here, so in October, Bill Belichick acknowledged a loophole in the rules when he used to run extra time in the fourth quarter in a win over the Jets. So the Titans did the same thing in the playoffs, thanks to an NFL rule that restarts the game clock after a penalty. That's what it was. So the Titans, while leading in the fourth quarter, took a delay game penalty to take 40 seconds off the clock before punting it, then false start with one second remaining on the play clock to take another 39 seconds off the clock. After that, the Patriots helped the Titans by jumping offside, which allowed the Titans to run even more time at. By the time the Titans finally punted, the game clock had gone from 635 uh, down to 450 when the ball was actually punted. Um after the game, Belichick said the the strategy to use the penalties to take time with the clock is the same he used before. And again, uh, this was something that Belichick had brought up, and the Titans said, okay, great idea. We're going to use it at some point. So that's what it was. I remember it was like a thing at the time, and people were like going crazy about it. And this was um, – I think this might have been in the postseason as well when this happened. So 
It was uh, pretty smart stuff. So I guess this is the guy who helped come up with this strategy. Yeah, use it to your advantage. Among man. other things. But I think that league has since fixed that so it doesn't happen. So they've come in and, you know, like, they mess up. Oh, okay, we got to correct this, that kind of thing. So they have come and fixed it. But, again, good for McVay. I mean, I, I've always said about McVay, um, they do a nice job. He always does a nice job at self-scouting. He used to not be you – know, like, a lot of these got play-caller guys are really good at – calling plays, but maybe communication's not always their fourth, like their strongest thing. And I think early in his career, that might not have been his thing, like talking to players and finding out. But I, I do know from his time in Washington, he went out of his way to start doing that when, you know, things were brought up to him that he was maybe not, not really paying attention to in his meetings because he's sitting there installing offenses. And he's not really talking about the, you know, the personal side of it for some of the players and their concerns and their getting their feedback and then he became much better at it as time went on. I know with Washington was one of the big credits he got with the Redskins that last season, you know, bringing in the receivers, Garcon and and Jackson in particular, who had some things they wanted to talk to him about and he listened to them and uh, that was noticed. Anyway, guy's been a really good coach throughout his career, but yeah, I mean, he's got some shortcomings like they all do. All right, 757-687-9494. We'll get to the uh, Atlanta race coming up at 5. Davey Siegel is going to join us again this week from uh, Sirius XM NASCAR Radio uh, to break that down with us. Uh, Coming up on the other side, we'll get back to the poll question about Russell Wilson and why people think he might be headed to Pittsburgh. We'll get to that here. Scott Jackson, show priority on Sports Radio 94.1. We're brought to you by Larry King Law. Injured in an accident? Call 757-INJURED. 757-INJURED. And we're brought to you by Larry King Law. Injured in an accident? Call 757-INJURED. 757-INJURED. All right. Football at four continues. Uh, The poll question today in regards to Russell Wilson. And again, for whatever it's worth, he's... Betting odds, offshore places, they love to put these odds on players out, but it, usually most Vegas casinos will not touch them with a 10-foot pole. Uh, the question on the X at Jackson Sports at ESPN Radio 941 is, what is the most likely landing spot for Russell Wilson next season? Uh, 47.7 say Steelers, followed by the Raiders at 25%, Falcons at 114 and some others uh, at 15.9%. Greg and Gloucester says Steelers, and he opens up with hello, black and yellow, black and yellow, hello, black and yellow, hello, black and yellow. <laughs> All right. Uh, we were trying to look at Russell Wilson's those goofy sayings, you know. Um, there's another one earlier, too. Somebody said uh, he would just say, well, where is this one? I, th- I found it somewhere. Uh, Steeler Nation, let's rib it. That one's not bad. It's not bad. Not bad. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, I don't know. It's uh, He's going to end up somewhere. There is a market for him. I know he did not play great, but he is a guy who has still got a shot to be uh, – he, he's got a shot to still find a place and give you some good years, I think. That's uh, my two cents on it. I think he's still got a, um, he's still got a shot to, to be productive. Hadn't been real productive lately, but I think he does. And, and again, last year his numbers were not awful, awful. Um, but you know, some of it too was just wasn't like it was very careful. Like it was very careful, Russell Wilson. But there's just such a lack of quarterbacks. Is he? I mean, he's coming off a better year. Can we agree than than what Carson Wentz was coming off? Oh, absolutely. In Indy, although absolutely. somehow, some way, Carson Wentz actually they had him start every game. Um, <clears throat> excuse me, that year in Indy. Then, of course, he was so awful in the one game they needed to win, much like he was the following year. <laughs> Shocker. Um, so, 
that will be uh, there. There will be a market, and it, maybe he's not the first goal of most teams, but he's eventually it's going to eventually trickle down uh, to him. All right, via the text line, um, as Greg, uh, oh, he's hitting us on two fronts. Oh my goodness, it's everywhere. Uh, he says on uh, McCarthy. He says McCarthy is more mentally. Uh, more, is he more head ready? Is that why teams like him? That's a good question. It maybe. might be. Might be, but again, they haven't really. Nobody's scouted him beyond just watching him run the Michigan offense at this point, right? Just because he can meditate doesn't necessarily make <laughs> him a first round pick either. Yeah, I mean, I think he's pretty athletic. I think you could see some of that when he ran at times. He's got a good arm, but I mean, he didn't have to do as much as the other guys did as quarterback. So it's it's fascinating um, how how it's uh, kind of this thing started the way it has. Uh, Rick in Hampton says his next move is to retire and join, uh, retire, join Fox and have two more babies with Sierra. <laughs> Maybe. Not a terrible life. Not plan. a terrible life. I know. I mean, let's put it that way. I uh, didn't get hit by quarterbacks not, or uh, defensive tackles, not so bad. Uh, 401 says J.J. McCarthy is this year's Mac Jones, a quarterback from a powerhouse national champion who can make all the throws. I don't know if Mac Jones is a great like. Is that selling? Is it supposed to sell me? And well, Mac Jones threw it a lot more for one and for two. Do we know that JJ McCarthy can make all the throws? Yeah, because we haven't seen him throw enough to know that. I don't think. Yeah, I'm not sure he's made all the throws. Um, you know, and again, Mac Jones right now. I don't want to be compared to Mac Jones. It's not. No. Fl- it's not flattering no. anymore. Uh, you know, these days. So I mean, you know, I've been. I've been very down on Caleb Williams, but right. I will admit freely that that dude makes all the throws. If you want to yeah. talk about a guy that can make all the throws because you've seen him do it, that is Caleb Williams. Jaden Daniels as well. Now, yeah. I will say this about Jaden Daniels. I can't help but noticing as I'm watching more and more mocks, his two receivers, two his, his top two receivers are going to end up in the NFL uh, in the first round, I should say. Well, or, one of them is the top 10 pick. Yeah. Easily. Yeah. I mean, wh- there might be two first round picks out on that wide receiving core, which certainly... Uh, doesn't hurt. Like I said before with him, man, I would honestly, at the combine or at the personal work, I just want to see how quickly can you get to the sidelines from the pocket and how quickly and how well do you slide? Like, are you, are you a baseball player at any point? And not a head, not a head first slide. I don't need you to Pete Rose in this thing. I need you to hook slide in a hurry to keep the hits off you. Cause I know what they list his weight as and all that stuff, but man, he has got a thin body type, you know, and that's, that would, that scares me. And some of these now, again, he didn't get hurt. He finished all of his games, played in all the games. Some of these hits, though, that you've seen, you know, these highlight reels yeah. coming out, you're like, yeah. wow. Like the one at uh, Ole Miss was crazy. But again, he stayed in the game. But in the NFL, man, those things add up, and you you, you don't live through them often. And you look at the guys who are, are running quarterbacks, they are they got a lot, lot more, like their legs are a lot bigger, right? Like they're a lot stronger down below. Uh, and they can, you know, not everybody's got to be again Jalen Hurts, you know, squatting as much as the center of the, on his football team, right? Or that kind of thing. But you know, Mahomes obviously is is built much bigger. You know, you know, clearly, you know, we talk about Justin Fields earlier and some of the other uh, quarterbacks that that scramble and live that life. Lamar Jackson as well. I mean, you know, even like like a guy like Baker Mayfield is not that tall, but he's obviously you know like a sturdier guy. You know, you have to you have to have a little bit of that. If you want to live, you know. Well, and Jaden Daniels would will find out quickly in the NFL, whoever he goes with, that there are some linebackers you might not be able to outrun, and yeah. that was that's usually that's the thing, not right? the case in LSU. Like that was the thing with Robert Griffin, right? I mean, he 
He could outrun a lot of people, but then he also took some really horrific hits later on, and there were some guys that actually could run with him and uh, jack him up over time. And, and these did, guys aren't used to that. Yeah, and he did not do a good job of protecting himself as uh, as time went on as well. And you remember, like, Kaepernick, who was also running back in those days, was a lot better at, at, at protecting himself, too. Yeah. Like Kaepernick, he, he did play baseball. Remember, Kaepernick, he was a big, long guy, but he slid. Like, he, he kind of... I mean, he was still bigger than, J- than Jaden Daniels, so thinking about Kaepernick's uh, body type or whatever. He was, he was definitely bigger than, bigger than uh, Daniels, but in terms of, you know, a weight and carrying it. But Well, if you think about Kaepernick, too, he wasn't I – don't, I don't remember him being like that necessarily in college. I think he's one of those guys that definitely built up that strength, built up yeah. that mass to, to be able to handle the NFL game as well. So it's not impossible – for somebody to be able to to be transformative right. in a certain, I mean, you can only you can do that only with so much. But I think yeah. in Jaden Daniels' case, I certainly think it's possible. So he's six four, Daniels and Kaepernick was six four. Kaepernick was like two thirty, but Jaden Daniels is like the weight of like Robert Griffin. Yeah, that's who was, not good. Who was shorter than him, and Griffin was too skinny, you know, with that body type. So that's the thing that worries you. Like if like, if you're going to run around, that's fine, but again. Can you get you know, get yourself to the sidelines where it's safe or, or or slide before you get destroyed? That's the uh, the concern with all that. All right, seven five seven six eight seven ninety four ninety four seven five seven six eight seven ninety four ninety four. From the four hundred one, he said uh, on the um, J J McCarthy comp to Mac Jones, and he said, "Yeah, no, he doesn't think it's a, a compliment either." <laughs> he said, "I'm just saying, I think it's the same milk." Uh, it says uh, a longtime Patriots fan. Love the show. Thank you. Appreciate I, that. I just I, I'm with I'm with pretty much everybody in that. How on earth did we get to JJ McCarthy as a first round quarterback? And I'm not saying that I don't like JJ McCarthy. Sure. I just don't I don't see what people could be seeing in the amount of in the, in the body of work. I just yeah. don't. I've not seen him throw enough. And you're gonna have to. I don't care where you go. You're going to have to throw the ball in the yeah. NFL more than he has in college. Now, it's fascinating. I mean, it, it is. it has been a thing, as they say, suddenly to see this. And, it, and I believe it's coming from somebody like in the scouting community. I don't think it's just like, hey, all mock drafters right. are just putting no, them up right. there. Because yeah. clearly somebody said it at some point. Because I remember before the national uh, championship round, before the playoff, back in the old days, we only did four teams. Uh, watch him. Okay, cool. I'm looking forward to seeing. You know, this is the moment because this is you know. And he made some like that third that lo- third and long when they were backed up against Washington. One yeah, of the that was a hell of a game. throw. Hell of a throw. Uh, made some scrambles between the two games that were really you know. Okay, you see the athleticism there, but in terms of the volume of throwing the ball to know, hey, he can definitely do this. He can't. What he can't do, you don't. There's no way. No. To possibly know. But this is you know again what these guys uh, you know try to try to tell you and show you and at least with mac jones you know he was slinging it quite a bit at alabama now granted they were all number one picks that he was throwing to for the most part right Right. and that was the other that's always the other thing with bama players they used to always say you got to be careful because they're surrounded by you know other nfl players and you're not necessarily going to get that if you're going to one of the worst teams in the league you know next year right now i would say this for whoever the commanders get at quarterback, they got some really good receivers. That the tight end position, whether Logan Thomas is there or not, or they bring in somebody else, that could be upgraded. But they at least have two really strong receivers to start with, in McLaurin and Jahan Dotson. So, you know, if it is you know Jaden Daniels, he's going to at least have that going for him right away. Now the O line obviously needs to be worked on in the in addition this off season. And can he slide? <laughs> and again, can he slide? Six four two ten right now. 
that uh, that concerns me. Um, somebody, uh, Val in uh, Northern Texas, Jaden Daniels' body uh, style scares the hell out of me. RG3 body type, yeah, scares all of me, yeah. I mean, it scares all of us, quite frankly. Because, again, I just remember, I mean, for a while, like, it was really good with Robert because he's running, he's making these plays, and then all of a sudden, you're like, notice, oh, crap, he, he's not trying to avoid the contact. He's actually leaning into the contact, right. and the way he was hit was different, like, because his body flailed and everything. I remember that Cincinnati game, and I thought the Shanahan's were out of their freaking mind uh, early in his career when they were literally running the old school Oklahoma style option plays, right? Like yeah. when he was running out, pitching out. And the pitch man, mind you, was remember this kid, Brandon Banks? I remember. He probably weighed 140 pounds. If that. <laughs> if that. He was a good returner, but he weighed 140 pounds. And they're the two smallest, frailest guys you've ever seen. And Cincinnati's like, good. They're runners. Uh-huh. And like the Bengals didn't care. And that was true because that was the other thing. Like when the quarterback leaves the pocket, you know, you can crush them, right? And that's what they were doing. And so when Robert would flip the ball, the Bengals, and I think there was a Marvin Lewis is still the coach, he was telling the guys, you hit him every time. And that's what they did. And he took some vicious hits. And I'm thinking, I really think the Shanahan's do hate this kid. Yeah. Uh, and this, <laughs> this was the rookie season. It was nuts. And they finally um, stopped doing that. Then of course later in the year you might remember this when they sent the when they sent um, him out on a pass that pattern awful play against oh the, uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers. I mean, yeah, do that kind of stuff against two of the nastiest yeah. defenses these in are the league at the two time. Two nasty defenses, right? The Steelers and the Bengals at that time. So it made no sense. Anyway, yeah, I just I just have that, and the whole loading not ahead. Of course, is still in my brain for the rest of my life. That how bad that was, and his leg flying around and that leg whipping. I mean, it really should have ended the season. I mean, it, it really. If they were thinking long term, yeah, they, and they would have just ended the season right there, like Cousins play it out. But yeah. he was so damn paranoid, and, and rightfully so. He knew Cousins had it. <laughs> he, he knew Cousins had it before that Cousins did. knew it. Maybe that he did. All right, uh, some more NFL stuff on some restructuring before we get to some NASCAR. Uh, yesterday was a big anniversary in sports that we didn't talk about yesterday, so we'll talk about it today uh, in the five o'clock hour as well. As we go down a little memory lane here. Scott Jackson, Joe, Priority Auto Sports Radio, 94.1. We're brought to you by Larry King Law, injured in an accident. Call 757-INJURED, 757-I-N-J-U-R-E-D. All right. Uh, although, again, if you're an AI company out there and you can figure out a way, you know, stretch out vacation days, the AI will listen. Um, brought to you by Larry King Law. So uh, a couple of things as the show has moved on today that have happened in real time that I want to quickly hit the uh, injunction from the state of Virginia, where we all are, and Tennessee, uh, they have won the injunction against NCAA. So booster-funded NIL collectives now can run, um, well, can collect, communicate, rather, with high school recruits and transfer portal players in the states. I mean, by the way, I mean, just small thing. Not accusing anybody of anything here, but this is already happening. Come oh, on. Yeah. Oh, I mean, no now it's doubt. legal. I don't know. And again, what are the rules? Like, what happens to you if you, you weren't doing that? You know, I mean, it's like, anyway. Well, I think this injunction's kind of telling you now that there currently aren't any. No, there are no rules. I mean, so there really are no rules. And again, these collectives are well-meaning and things. I just hope people don't get to false sense of security that they're all fix-all to what's going to cure everything in college sports. Because they're not. I mean, I and I know I'm really old-fashioned here, but I kind of care about quality of play. And I don't know if we're really getting it with people jumping all the time and moving year to year. I'd be for a moment in time where, you know, at the bare minimum, we'd have a two-year commitment 
barring, you know, there's you can always transfer, but you have to sit out a year. I know that seems old-fashioned. But again, the coaches, and everybody keeps bringing up the coaches thing, and we've talked about this a zillion times, they have buyouts. Um, I was just reading today, Mick Cronin, the coach at UCLA, who's hardly John Wooden, has a $20 million buyout Yep, for basketball. Are you kidding me? But again, you know, Kalen DeBoer, he got bought out at Washington by Alabama. So there, there are penalties for that, too. And all those kids, by the way, got to leave because he was leaving, and they were going to anyway if, if they wanted to. So there are rules for it. And if you just think, you know, throwing this money at everything is going to make it better, it's not. And, like, if you're watching the sports right now, you know it's not better. I mean, nobody can say with a straight face it's better right now. Well, sure, you know, you watched enough of these bowl games to know that that's oh, not better, for one. Hot garbage. And for two, how many times have you heard people make excuses for players where they say, well, you know, they're on their th- second yeah. or third offensive coordinator. Yeah, and they well, do it all the time Well, now, now it's the opposite, where right. these <laughs> offensive coordinators are on their third or fourth different running back and wide receiver or quarterback as they keep yeah. getting transferred. Right, right. So <laughs> how is that better? Yeah. It's not. I know. So for all the concerns about coaching changes and guys are jumping from team to team, I mean, it's not making it better. Uh, anyway, again, I, the window needs to be needs to be short, and that's all too. I mean, it, like you can transfer, I don't care, but just you get get out of here with this transfer into the summer crap and, and transferring yeah. to places where they don't have any actual scholarships of remaining is also very sketchy. And again, the street agents, we call them street pimps the other day, whatever we want to call them, former high school coaches. Friends of the family, whoever these people having to grease them too is ridiculous. Like, yeah, get out of here with yeah. that stuff. I mean, I, I would. Yeah, and it, it's not a jo- it's it's not hyperbole and and you know a knee jerk thing to say. There is a reason why coaches appear to be running the other direction if they can from the college coaching ranks. Well, there was if they have if they have options. Not all of them do, obviously. There was a report. I think it was Jeremy Fowler. Yeah. I wish I could. I wish Dad saved yeah. it yesterday, saying that. There were more coaches than usual that were that were at the Senior Bowl mm-hmm. this yeah. year, and it was because a lot of them were talking Looking to NFL jobs. teams, trying to get yeah. NFL jobs because they yeah. want out. Yeah, absolutely. So at least you know where you stand with the pros, and again, the pros is more stable because they have contracts. Yep, like you know where uh, it stands. You're like, okay, we got this guy two more years. We got this guy one more year. You know, and all those kind of things. Anyway, all right, enough of the soapbox. All right, the uh, Raiders. The Raiders, sorry. Former Raider quarterback, Saints quarterback, Derek Carr has redone his contract in New Orleans, and apparently the money is going to save New Orleans $23 million. Pretty significant restructure deal. Uh, he was due $30 million in base this year, so converting a large portion of that into a signing bonus, so now he can go out and spend it on Bourbon Street. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Saints now freed up cap space. And they need help because they were they're up against it. They got restructures to deal with. I mean, do we think Derek Carr was good last year? I mean, he had some ups and downs. He was okay. Yeah, he had that weird game on the uh, Thursday night where he kind of melted down right after the oh, drop. Oh, he did and that, that several stuff. times. Yeah, several yeah. times this year. So he's still under contract through 2026 in a four year deal that he signed last year in March. Uh, that could still make as much as 150 uh, million dollars uh, when it's all said and done for one Derek Carr. With the Raiders. I mean, right. tell me you're going to give me $20 million, $23 million right now. I'm not saying no to that. No doubt. All right, 757-687-9494. Uh, let me roll through some of these uh, texts here real quick before we get to the top of there, and we're going to get to some NASCAR with uh, Davey Siegel. Uh, yesterday was the uh, anniversary of Miracle on Ice, 
uh, for the old people out there in the audience. Uh, you remember that. The other people, we're going to have to explain it to. But it got me to thinking about memorable sports moments. So we'll do that with you uh, coming up next hour as well, in addition to uh, the Atlanta race preview coming up. Uh, Tyler says, if the NCAA had any teeth, uh, they left, left they left Tennessee, uh, they kicked them out. <laughs> toothless now yeah now there is no teeth no i mean they, no. they these court cases are terrible for them they have the worst yeah. lawyers ever <laughs> you would think that they would f- have figured that out by now that they yeah. keep losing for a reason oh 804 was that that Bengals game oh nice and he goes and the best part about the game was it was rg3's first home game is the redskins energy was so crazy high at the start and after a couple of hits uh, we made that stadium get quiet. Yeah, wasn't that the Muhammad Sanu touchdown pass game too? Remember that? Like there was a throwback play with Muhammad Sanu uh, through a TD. I want to say it was Muhammad Sanu was with the Bengals. Yeah, it was, if it was the Bengals, it was definitely um, Sanu. I think it was, and that was when he was young in his career. Yes, that was uh, it was a wild game. Uh, Greg and Gloucester says he won five hundred dollars in a Virginia lottery scratcher, and I hope people are, uh, and I and I had people asking me for twenty five to thirty dollars. Can't imagine landing an NIL deal. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, and you didn't even have to pay ta- taxes on your wow. $500 scratcher. Think about that. Um, <laughs> Breeze in the 757's back. He says, you know what window is never closed? Seal, Kiss from the Rose. That album is always open. Wow. Clearly. Breeze in the Seal, um, I'm going to call it a fetish. I'm going to go ahead and go there. Uh, it's very interesting. It is. I-, I think going there is not... <laughs> That's not stretching it. That's it is a seal fetish. Accurate. Yes, accurate. it is very, very interesting. I don't know how we got here, but it's interesting. Uh, from the two hundred eight, uh, Redskins should go after Russell Wilson before they consider moving up for any of these rookie quarterbacks in the draft, or at least get Justin Fields. They've been getting the quarterback wrong for years. As I explained to this person on the text, look, the people they are not there anymore. It's a new they, right? Uh-huh. Um, and at some point you got to actually get your own guy and stop taking the leftovers around the league. I mean, Wilson passed on Washington before, even if they were interested in him. Fields has yet to show he's actually a starting NFL quarterback consistently at a high level. Um, you know, a lot of the metrics, too, and this will upset Paulie. you know, the 60% completion percentage is awful. It's like below average. It's like one of the worst percentages in the league. His QBR, which is set up, by the way, QBR is set up for running quarterbacks. It's also supposed to project, hey, you made the right play, but your, your teammates screwed up. He's awful in that. Uh, the Bears were one of the least, had some of the fewest drops in the NFL of any receiving core last year as well. So, yeah, no, no. Can I say it again? Yeah. 10 and 28 is a starter. See, but I also think that is, I would say that's a little bit like not always a quarter. That is totally not a quarterback statistic that we've become fixated on. Even still. But yeah, I mean, I, I get it. I get it. They, they didn't have the best talent at times, but if you want a guy that's going to elevate your team, he was 10 and 28. All right, let's do this. We'll break. Davy Siegel on the other side. We'll get to uh, some NASCAR Atlanta race. Then uh, the Do You Believe in Miracles moment uh, in sports and some all-time sports moments that you'll never forget. We'll get to those coming up in the next hour. Scott Jackson, show priority on Sports Radio 94.1. We are brought to you by Larry King Law. Injured in an accident? Call 757-INJURED, 757-INJURED. James Witham's got your sports center.